Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, former U.S. President Donald Trump has turned himself in at a Georgia jail to face racketeering and conspiracy charges. Maui County has filed a lawsuit against the Hawaii Electric Company over the devastating wildfires. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has offered his condolences to the families of the 10 victims of a plane crash northwest of Moscow. Starting in North America, former U.S. President Donald Trump has turned himself in at a Georgia jail to face racketeering and conspiracy charges. Trump is accused of colluding with 18 co-defendants to try to overturn his 2020 election loss in the state. This is his fourth criminal indictment while seeking re-election to the White House. Trump maintains that the 13 felony charges he faces are politically motivated. Philip Crowther reports. Atlanta already leaves us with something historic, maybe one of the most famous photos or infamous ones in recent U.S. history. We'll have to see how it goes down in U.S. history, but a mugshot of a former U.S. president of Donald Trump has been released. It shows him angry, scowling, with a furrowed brow. The picture of Donald Trump having been taken inside the Fulton County Jail here in Atlanta just a short while ago. As you said, he is now on his way back to New Jersey after spending a very short time inside of that jail, just over 20 minutes when he was arrested, then booked. That meant that he gave his details, his name, his weight, his his height uh, as well, and then uh, was released again thereafter after posting the necessary uh, bond of $200,000. And during that time, that mugshot was also taken, now released by the sheriff's office here in Fulton County. Uh, Donald Trump uh, now on his way back uh, to New Jersey, but before departing, he spoke to the press who were traveling with him from New Jersey to Atlanta. Here is some of what Donald Trump said there on the tarmac here in Atlanta. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. The former president there using essentially the same phrases that got him to this place in the first place, the kind of uh, phrases like saying that this was a rigged and stolen election that of course led to uh, him being in trouble uh, here in Atlanta, but also in Washington DC in the federal case. The arraignments are supposed to be happening the week of the uh, 5th of September. We don't know yet whether Donald Trump will have to be here in person for that. What's different in this case to the others, the other three criminal cases that he is now a defendant in, is that here he had to be booked in jail first, and that was not connected to an arraignment that will happen at a later date. So Donald Trump will be coming back here not just that one time, he will be coming back here many, many times because, of course, there will be a trial in the future. We don't know yet uh, when that will happen in October at the very earliest very unlikely, though, uh, that a case like this one, a complex case like this one, can advance that quickly. More mugshots, by the way, to be released because there are more of Donald Trump's 18 co-defendants who still have to uh, be booked at the same j- jail where Donald Trump appeared uh, earlier today. They are all supposed to be tried together, uh, says the district attorney here in Fulton County, and as quickly as possible, uh, she says as well. The future then 
for Donald Trump looks very difficult uh, because he will have to defend himself with his team of lawyers in four cases altogether, all the while, of course, running for president on the Republican ticket. He is, of course, by a very uh, long stretch, the favorite. That was Philip Crowther in Atlanta, Georgia. Maui County has filed a lawsuit against the Hawaii Electric Company over the devastating wildfires, claiming that the firm failed to shut off power despite high winds and dry conditions. The wildfires swept through Lahana in Maui, killing at least 115 people, with more than 1,000 others still missing. Dan Williams reports on the recovery efforts in Maui. A little over two weeks since the wildfires began and the efforts to help survivors continues. More than 100 volunteers are here to distribute food and supplies to residents following the devastating blaze. Now this is happening as the slow search for victims of the fire continues. We are told it could take weeks to complete the search of the burn zone. More than 1,000 people are still unaccounted for. More than two weeks after the fire ignited, survivors have many questions they want addressed, not least how the blaze began and whether firefighters should have stayed to monitor an initial fire that had burned the morning of August 8th. Maui's fire chief issued a statement saying the fire appeared to be extinguished, so crews then left to attend other calls. But due to the strong winds, it appears the fire reignited that afternoon and caused the devastation that we now see. And there will also be a continued focus on why roads in and out of the town were reportedly blocked off, causing a bottleneck within the town and trapping many of the residents. All this while the alarm systems stayed silent. For now, much of the focus is on searching the remaining burn zone and identifying further victims. But longer term, there are many questions that demand answers. That was Dan Williams reporting. Moving on to Europe, Russian President Vladimir Putin has offered his condolences to the families of the 10 victims of a plane crash northwest of Moscow. The head of the Wagner paramilitary group Yevgeny Prigozhin was named as one of the people killed when the plane went down on Wednesday. Putin said Prigozhin was a talented person who also made serious mistakes. Alyosa Milankovic reports from St. Petersburg. From early in the morning, people came to pay respects to Wagner's head, Evgeny Prigozhin. They are bringing flowers and lighting the candles. And from time to time, even applause breaks out. It is late in the evening, but people are still coming. In the meantime, it is still unknown what was the cause or causes of the fatal plane crash that, according to official records, took 10 lives. Evgeny Prigozhin and his right hand, Dmitry Utkin, were on the passengers' list. The name of the passenger are known, but there is still no official confirmation about the identities of the recovered victims' bodies. On Thursday, Russian President Vladimir Putin for the first time expressed his condolences to the victims' families. He gave his view of Yevgeny Prigozhin's life and achievements. He mentioned that Prigozhin did some great things, but also made some equally big mistakes. Also on Thursday, the Russian authorities named the official investigator in this case. It is Ivan Sibula, who previously investigated the cases of several other high-profile plane crashes in Russia. That was Alyosa Milankovic in Russia. And finally, in Africa. Egypt and Ethiopia have welcomed the invitation from BRICS to join the group of major developing countries. The two African countries are among the six countries set to join the group in January as new members. Etlia Muruki reports from Egypt. 
minutes after the historic Johannesburg BRICS summit named six new countries to join the group. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi released a statement. He said, quote, I value the BRICS bloc invitation for Egypt to its membership. We cherish the bloc's state's trust. Sisi stressed that together the expanded group will work to raise the voice of the global south. There's a moral boost from this membership which will enhance the general mood of the public infused by the economic pressure they've been feeling. Joining an economic bloc with this magnitude boosts confidence in the Egyptian markets. The exact impact of the BRICS membership on the Egyptian economy is yet to be assessed. However, many experts believe it will help in creating relief over the spiking demand on the US dollar. Demand on the greenback in Egypt saw the pound lose half of its value in about one year. The official forex market sets the dollar for nearly 31 pounds, while in the parallel market it sells for about 30% more. During the last two years, Egypt has been suffering from stress on the local currency. Egypt's trade balance in the US dollar is valued at 90 billion annually. Currently, the trade between Egypt and the five BRICS countries is 25 billion. If that trade is paid in other currencies, it will lift a great deal of pressure off the Egyptian pound. We are also expecting that the BRICS membership will scale up the trade between us. For the six new states joining BRICS doesn't mean that economic partnership will begin between them and the founders of the bloc. It will rather accelerate and expand ongoing business partnerships, which Egypt already enjoys with all of them. The Gulf of Suez behind me is one of many places in Egypt that could witness the economic boom BRICS could bring. Besides its vitality as a gateway to the Suez Canal, multi-billion dollars industrial complexes are being built by countries like China and Russia so that their products could reach all corners of the world with the competitive prices of domestic production. That was Atlao Maruki in Egypt. Still in Africa, the first election results have started to emerge in Zimbabwe, where voters are electing their president and lawmakers. Voting was extended for a second day after delays due to the shortage of voting materials and other logistical issues. Farai Makutuya has more. Hundreds of people who turned up at this polling station in Harare on Wednesday could not cast their ballots because voting materials, which were delivered late in the afternoon, ran out before everyone could vote. Some of those affected have been steadily streaming in on Thursday after voting was extended by a day to make up for the disruptions. The ballot papers ran out at 8 p.m. I waited for more to be delivered until 11 p.m. That's when I gave up. But this morning I came back and the process has been very swift. So I am happy. People here say they have come back because they want their vote to count. I think mine matters a lot. Because, you know, if you're going to choose your own president, who is going to look into your welfare? That is the most important thing why I casted my vote. Because huh, I'm th I think uh, things are not well, so I've decided to exercise my right today. The Zimbabwe Electoral Commission says an unprecedented number of court challenges over candidate eligibility caused the logistical challenges that led to the late printing of ballot papers. Zimbabweans are voting for three tiers of candidates, local councillor, member of parliament and president. The economy is the key factor in the polls. I voted for someone who can improve things in our country, things like economy and infrastructure. We want development in our community. That's what I'm voting for in this election. Results posted at individual polling stations have started trickling in.
The ruling ZANU-PF is dominating its rural strongholds, while the opposition Citizens' Coalition for Change has won a number of urban constituencies. It is only the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission that is authorized to announce election results and they are required by law to declare the final outcome of this vote within five days. That was Farai Makutuya in Zimbabwe. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. Former U.S. President Donald Trump has turned himself in at a Georgia jail to face racketeering and conspiracy charges. Maui County has failed a lawsuit against the Hawaii Electric Company over the devastating wildfires. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has offered his condolences to the families of the 10 victims of a plane crash northwest of Moscow. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.